the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. When you think of starting a church, oftentimes we hear about folks that will find a location, get a group of people together, build a big building, put up a big fancy sign, maybe do a little bit of advertising on the streets and invite people to come in. But ironically, (laughs) Scripture tells us to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. My guest today is certainly an example of what it means to literally be out in the highways and byways, compelling people to come in into the larger church. And of course, that is the church with the big C, the church that Jesus Christ himself has built. Visiting today with Pastor Evan Proser. And Pastor Proser, I got to begin with just a bit of a, 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 a curiosity here. What What's a pair of Harvard and Radcliffe alums doing working on the streets of San Francisco? Well, we've finally gotten happy. <laughs> <laughs> we have, have had advent, adventures uh, ever, ever since college. And um, we went, uh, we went, uh, we we went to Hawaii for a couple of years to get get away from the pressure of the East Coast, and then we we uh, so took a boat to San Francisco and ran into a ran, ran into the hippie movement. So we went from Hawaii to hippie and to finally to Holy. We got born again in 1974 uh, up there, up in the mountains uh, near Grass Valley. So uh, and that was the call. That, that's what what was the, that was the beginning of the call. So you came out to uh, San Francisco after your your stint in Hawaii and essentially took advantage of some of the the hippie scene that would have been in the 1960s I suppose the late 60s somewhere in there yes. and at the point at which yeah. both you and and your spouse April um dedicated your lives to Christ when when did you begin to get the sense of God having a calling on you and that this this short-term respite in San Francisco was destined to be more permanent It was really um it- I was not considering going back to, to San Francisco. Uh, never had thought of that. Uh, I was, I was, we were born again in 74, as, as I just mentioned, and then we, we became active in the local church there, a little church called House of Prayer in Grass Valley, and uh, 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 very full of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we were just busy act, getting active, Going out, meeting people. I remember so hard to go out the first time on the street and it's just, and do a do a do, you know do a do an outreach with just walking up to people and talking to them. Um, but once you do it once, then it becomes easier and easier. And that happened to me. And um, so I, I was just uh, beca- I was just becoming church and um, and um, finding many friends in the church. And knew knew that God was super close to me, and that that sense of you know going into areas where it's not the easiest but the neediest, uh, 
seems to be a, a hallmark of what your ministry is about. In in some respects, that sense reminds me of my good friend Larry Rosenbaum. Um, with SOS San Francisco, uh, who going back like yourself into the 1970s, um, had come to Christ and God gave him a strong burden to just say, go where the need is the greatest, not wow. where the opportunity is the easiest. And I, and I think at the end of the day, that, that is a, a, a special and unique calling because it certainly is not the, <laughs> it's not the, 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 the fancy way out. It certainly isn't the, uh, uh, the, the, the way out that 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 leads to great fame and fortune, but I guess at the end of the day, that's it, that's never what the ministry has been about, has it? No. Uh, one day I was working up in uh, in uh, around uh, we were living up in the, the mid, uh, mid Valley and Northern Valley of California, and I was driving uh, a uh, a um, uh, a a van to bring people to and from a a uh, sheltered workshop. And I go pick them up in the morning and to take it back home in the afternoon. And one afternoon, I was just driving down the highway, Highway uh, Five there, um, around Corning, California. And um, the Lord began to talk to me, and uh, I, 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 he he just shifted shifted the whole thing for me. He just uh, 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 he said, "I want you to resign this church and go to San Francisco and start the homeless church." And I saw it uh, um, um, in, uh, um, in, in the short vision uh, um, of what it, was, what it was to do and to be. And I, as I, I had to pull off the road, I couldn't see because of the tears in my eyes. And so the call was direct from God to go back into the city that I knew from living there for five years as a hippie. I knew it pretty well. Um, and as part of the blessing uh, that God had given me was to know the city uh, before he called me to it. The city, of course, from that time to today has has changed pretty radically. And those of us that are Bay Area natives certainly have, have noticed the difference. And, and uh, some of the challenges, of course, are, are incredible. But I, I want you to kind of give us the inside story, if you will. We know what we see depicted in the news every night. We know what we're seeing on the pages of the newspapers. But in terms of the sort of the, the inside story of, of where the need is, where the need is yeah. the greatest, give us a sense of what what ministry, particularly when you're reaching out to homeless in San Francisco. What does that look like? Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to give one verse here out of, out of uh, 1 Samuel 2. Uh, uh, Samuel's uh, mother, Hannah, uh, her, her, her prayer of thanksgiving and for, for, for having a, a child. But this, this one verse uh, captured me. And it says, he, he raises up the poor out of the dust. And he lifts up the beggar from the dung hill. Um, to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. So what he was saying to me there is that, that uh, the people on the street that I had some vague idea about, well, I was living, I was living in San Francisco um, five years previously and saw a little bit of the, of the poverty. Um, uh, and, um, and then he just looked to me that these people are as valuable as anybody else, and uh, and they 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 have a high higher calling as anybody else. In fact, it's quite a God's plan uh, uh, to uh, he he's part of how he 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 operates upon the earth is to raise up um, uh, among the unlikely people to uh, those who will become princes and. Um, 
uh, who who carry the burden of 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 rulership in the world. When we put this in perspective and 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 consider for a moment that very God Himself, Creator of the universe, Son of Man, born in a manger, no place to lay His head. In a very yeah. real sense, Christ was was born into poverty as well, and I reflect on the fact that. In commenting about the poor, he said one time, the poor you will have with you always. And and I suspect in many respects that is demonstrative of what God says to the church and our responsibility. And sadly, as I suggested in my opening remarks, sometimes we like to take the easy way out. We like to go where it's cozy and comfortable, not always necessarily where the need is the greatest. But I suppose in going to where the need is the greatest, we also see God doing some of the greatest miracles. Is that true? Well, it starts out with Christ himself. Um, at age 30, he left home and became homeless and, on purpose and lived homeless uh, uh, for three years and died a homeless man. And he did great miracles in that time. <laughs> wow. That quickly puts it into perspective now, doesn't it? <laughs> he chose homelessness and he put a, put a seal on it. said, this is all you need. All you need is all, all, all you need is to, to, to be there and to go. This is very true. Our conversation today with Pastor Evan Prosser. He is senior pastor of the Homeless Church of San Francisco. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. With us today is Pastor Evan Prosser, senior pastor of the Homeless Church of San Francisco. Pastor Prosser, as our conversation continues, talk to us a bit about what you've seen God doing on the streets of San Francisco. And maybe you can begin by helping our listeners understand a bit of the, the breadth and depth of your ministry. The, the, the organization, in fact, is called The Homeless Church. And, mm-hmm. and you literally, as I suggest, are out into the highways and byways of San Francisco. Um, certainly throughout the entire week, uh, you engage in a variety of outreaches. So kind of walk us through what all that looks like. Well, it looks like tonight, for instance, we go out on a speech from um, from uh, 8.30 to about midnight, uh, bringing hot meals to the, the people in their camps. Um, uh, that's, you know, that's just uh, uh, it's very, very personal, very moving. Um, uh, almost every time I, I, I end up in tears in, in these, these times, I, um, I need that kind of intimate contact. So I'm giving you a detail of this one particular thing. We do feed the poor in their camps on Thursday. Um, and what can we need to be with them? We don't need to just go talk to them and say, well, I'll see you next Wednesday at a certain time or whatever. We just need to be with them. And uh, so we're out there on Thursdays. Friday, we have a service at 16th and Mission Street um, uh, from 6 to 8. And there we serve we serve pizza. Uh, and, um, and it's become quite a... Powerful service, um, uh, um, and that's a, it's a kind of a, of a particularly um, famous area for its the variety of sin that's, that's clustering there on Fifteenth and Mission Street. Um, so we meet that's Thursday uh, uh, today, Friday, uh, sa- um, um, on Sunday we are out on the Bucadero at, uh, at at Brandon Street. Uh, Brandon Street Wharf, officially on your phone maps, Brandon Street Wharf will get you there. And we um, um, 
we so that service is a, is a is on the streets, but it's on the bay. It's a beautiful location. God has given it to us uh, by His grace uh, and His amazing workings. And so there, the the atmosphere is although it's on the street, um, and uh, the 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 needs are unrelenting. There are no bathrooms there. It's just the, the typical homeless scene. Uh, yet it's a it's, uh, it's really an idyllic place right on the bay uh, there at Brandon Street and looking eight miles across to uh, Oakland. So it's an opening up place. It's a it's a positive place. It's a beautiful place. And so that's a, an inspiration in itself is folks that they're they're worthy uh, of the best. And when you're engaged in the ministry there, then the Embarcadero, perhaps not this season of the year, but when we start to get into more uh, amplified tourist season, that you also have an opportunity to visit to some of the people that literally come from around the globe to vacation in San Francisco? True. People walk by and people stop and listen. And and uh, and uh, uh, some have come in and sat in the service and, and, and picked up on it. And so that's that's very, very true. We're very visible, very available. You mentioned a moment ago about the importance of spending time, and, and maybe you can speak to that, because a lot of people, I think, get the sense that, well, when you're out on the streets, uh, you know, it's difficult to build a relationship. A person might be in one location today and then disappear tomorrow. And, you know, I think there's also, for a lot of people in the church, a, a sense of feeling a little bit nervous. They think, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we don't know if these are drug addicts or, or what other issues that they might have. There may be issues of mental illness as well. And so there's some hesitancy. So talk to me about that that importance in terms of relationship building that I suppose in a very real sense is no different from anybody in any station in life. That's very true. And we have, we are, uh, we, we are, uh, um, in within the first year of our coming to the city, um, a um, um, a, uh, a, a, a member of a church on Petrero Hill offered us a building. Um, I'm sitting in that building right now. She she offered it to us for because it was she, what she thought she we could how we could use it maybe for for helping the homeless, and that has turned into uh, a tremendous. Um, demonstrations uh, and uh, uh, of of identification and a tremendous um, a, f- a place for effectual work. We call it Grace Healing Home. Um, and people, uh, we have ten men living with us who were homeless. They live with us full time. Um, uh, they may live here as long as they want to. Uh, and in, in, in the midst of that, of, of that context, we have uh, four, four hours uh, of open house where anybody can come in for showers and laundry uh, and a lunch that my wife, April, makes. And uh, and so we're, we we, uh, we open ourselves up to them on the street and we give them a place to come off the street if they want to come off the street and, 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 and uh, redeem their lives. We recreate their lives. Um, so... So we're with them all the time. I'm in the house right now, and, and uh, that's that's the context of a li- of life here. And um, so we're we're in it twenty four seven, and people who know us know that. 
Help us understand the challenges that the homeless are facing. And and I pose the question because certainly we understand, well, it's cold, it's not safe, you're hungry, it's very inconvenient. I mean, I think those are all the obvious factors. But, but for example, there are oftentimes questions about, well, do certain individuals that are homeless, do they really want help? Do they really want to get out of their circumstances? And, and I would I would perhaps counter that question with another question that, that is, and, and I want to have you speak speak to this. Have you ever run into anybody in the course of your ministry in San Francisco that said, well, you know, Pastor, uh, Pro Sir, I, I, yeah, I, I set out to be homeless. This was my goal in life from the time I was a young kid. I thought, you know, someday I want to grow up to live on the streets. I, what my desire, my goal in life is to be homeless. Have you ever met anybody that's ever said that to you? No. And that's the main that's the main aspect of the folks who are living there is that there um, that there that is a discouragement. There's defeat. There's um, a sense of great sense of loss. There's a sense of uh, of of of, in, uh, of invisibleness. Mm. Uh, people, ordinary people, um, uh, make a point of not talking to homeless people like they're not real people, and so that huge devaluing of of the personhood of people who are out there um, is 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 front and center, front and center of their relationship, of their awareness of excuse me, their late their awareness, I should say, uh, of uh, what they've become, and uh, they're. There's dissatisfaction. There's frustration. There's um, um, uh, panic. And then there's endurance. Uh, but there's nobody out there who's <laughs> who has planned to to uh, to, as it were, end up this way. You know, it's interesting. You you talk about the sense of of invalidation that they feel uh, that that people look past them, walk over them uh, as if they're not even there and how that contributes not only to one sense of 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 um, worthlessness and ever increasing hopelessness. I had a colleague who shared a story one time about a woman who ran across a lady on the street who was clearly homeless and was asking for money. And so she stopped and, and gave her some money to go get some coffee and a donut or something. And in the course of handing her the money, asked her her name. And the woman on the street looked up and looked into the eyes of this lady and began to cry. And she asked her, why are you crying? I just asked you what your name was. And the woman on the street's response was very profound. She said, I'm crying because in all the time that I've been out here, and it's been weeks, months, not only has few people even stopped to acknowledge me, but absolutely no one has asked me my name. In fact, I've not heard my name spoken in weeks and in months. Yes, that's lost, lost of identity. Loss of uh, uh, selfhood, loss of self-respect, loss of uh, uh, any hope. People, people are, are are sitting there on the streets wondering, um, um, uh, can I ever be anybody? Can I ever turn around? Have I gone too far? Mm. Is is there really a chance for me to have life, or is is this it for me? Another aspect of 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 uh, 
of, of it is that uh, people who want to speak feel they deserve it. As they, they feel as we as many of us feel when we get in, in, get near the Lord that we have that we are we are sinful. Uh, that we have we have we are less 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 than of uh, the uh, what He would have us to be, and that sense of that sense of sin in this case in the homeless homeless case uh, comes to well I've um, I've gone I've gone too far. Hmm. I will I can never get back. Um, I'm, I'm uh, I. Uh, there's no chance for me. Our conversation today with Pastor Evan Prosser. He is senior pastor of the Homeless Church of San Francisco. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. With us today is Pastor Evan Prosser, senior pastor of the Homeless Church of San Francisco. Pastor Prosser, as our conversation continues, Give us some more insights. People that perhaps have that feeling that they're they're lying in a bed of their own making, and and I would wonder for many that that as we as we mentioned, nobody sets the goal at childhood to one day grow up and become homeless, but they can come from circumstances, perhaps a broken home, perhaps a home where there was extreme degrees of of violence, domestic abuse, physical abuse, at, at minimum mental and emotional abuse. And, and, I, and I guess, you know, we, we talk about words of encouragement and, and, and scripture reminds us how much words matter, that God even created the entire universe by speaking words. And and I would suppose if an individual has grown up in a scenario where the words that they hear are constantly, you're worthless, you're hopeless, you're stupid, you're of no value, you're never going to be anybody, you're a lazy, lousy, no good for nothing, that after a while that message begins to sink in and before you know it, I would wonder if it almost becomes a bit of a, should we call it a, a self-fulfilling prophecy, meaning that the sense of wanting to be motivated to, to lift themselves up, to do better, to be better, is completely stripped away from them, down to even their sense of being a part of humanity. And so, is it any wonder then that somebody lives in such a degree of of uselessness and hopelessness, if they see themselves of no value and feel as if somehow the situation that they're in is one that they deserve, and is it yes. any wonder that oftentimes the, the motivation to do better is just completely stripped away from them? Yes. Uh, my wife says um, that, uh, that, uh, that every single homeless woman out there has been sexually abused, either before or during Certainly the experience during. On, yeah. on the street. Every single one. And so they're, 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 there's a lot of destruction. Uh, uh, devaluation in their own eyes. They, 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 uh, is, is this? Is this? Is this really? Is this? Is this? This is this really what I? What I, um, uh, what I envisioned for myself when I was a little girl, or, or um, so this, this the will will you know? He um, raises up the poor out of the dust, uh, Hannah says, and lifts the beggar from the dunghill. That's so that would be from the from the from, from the streets, mm-hmm. uh, the this garbage dump, set them among princes. So so uh, um, uh, there's a there's a um, a disbelief that they're that they are in, within reach of any kind of help. 
So there, there really is a process here then, because in order for a person to even believe that there is any way that they could somehow be rescued from their scenario or for the message that God so loved the world that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you, for that message to begin to, to penetrate and to resonate, you almost have to start with the point of helping them to rediscover a, a modicum of the sense of their own humanity, I suppose. I mean, because again, if you have been so terribly abused by others, by drug use, by whatever that the enemy has convinced you of your of your hopelessness, uselessness, and zero value, that I would wonder from your perspective, Pastor, if a lot of it begins by just helping people to begin to to acknowledge that they are indeed part of humanity and they are of value and that yes you're of enough value that this Jesus the the the, the very son of god died for you because god loves you so much you know you and i hear that message as as christians and we think amen and we feel good about that and that and that that certainly you know does something in resonating with us but for the lost person i would imagine for the, the homeless person that it takes a while for that message to begin to to penetrate is that so that's that's very true, and it's, but and, and so so basically, what basically when we relate to those people, we need to honor them. We need to um, um, uh, appreciate who they are. We need to put value upon them because there is value within them, and we need to recognize that and start there. Uh, well, um, uh, just as God so loved the world, he said his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him will not perish, but become become a, 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 a beneficiary of everlasting life. That God has so loved them, and so we need to so love them. We need to just really honor them and love them and, um, uh, and, and um, um, let them know we can treat them like anybody else. With no greater regard for somebody because he's better dressed, or he's got a, got a degree, he or he's got a Mercedes Benz, or whatever it is. Yeah, and and oftentimes those that do, I am reminded that it is easier for a rich man to pass through the eye of a needle than to enter the kingdom of heaven. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. But coming full circle, Pastor, I think that really um, underscores your point that so much of this street ministry is indeed relational. It's not just yeah. drop off a, a donut and a cup of coffee and, and, and maybe a broadside or a tract or something of that sort or uh, getting up and, and preaching a couple of passages out of Scripture and then disappearing never to return. Uh, you, you really need to be consistent. Because I think the one yeah. thing perhaps a lot of these people have never had in their life is there, there's never been any any positive consistency in their life. And, you know, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to show it, isn't it? We need to, we need to love them, to honor them, respect them, take them seriously, just where they are. And one tremendous aspect of uh, uh, of what we do that, 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 that drives that point home, which we can say, uh, come to our house. And um, you can have a shower, and you can um, you can um, you, you know, um, uh, eat and hang out with us, and you can you can come live with us. So they know that we're serious, that we really do care about them, and we we're not look we're, we're not evaluating them as 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 no good scum. 
Our conversation today with Pastor Evan Prosser. He is Senior Pastor of the Homeless Church of San Francisco. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. With us today is Pastor Evan Prosser, Senior Pastor of the Homeless Church of San Francisco. I'm going to ask you a tough question, but it's a question that I think the answer of which needs to be heard by our many listeners eavesdropping on this conversation today uh, throughout the Bay Area and Northern California, and that is simply this. From your perspective, in so many years of working with the homeless on the streets of San Francisco, what should the greater church be doing? And I ask that question and with the understanding that I know that there are churches that support homeless ministries. Maybe they even occasionally will, will put together, you know, meals during nice weather to provide for folks that are hungry in their community, uh, make sandwiches and go deliver them in parts of their town where they know that there are homeless. Maybe they've, they've done other things too, like uh, passing out Bible tracts or what have you. But from a practical standpoint, since this issue of homelessness is in the news virtually every single day. And it's gotten so that it's not just the big cities like Oakland and San Francisco and Chicago and New York. Even the so-called bedroom communities in the, in, in the suburbs are addressing this issue. What should, from your perspective, the church be doing? Or what can we be doing better to be more effective so that indeed the least of these hear the message of God's and Christ's love? We should be committing ourselves to these people um, uh, on a friendship basis. On a, on a, um, we we should we should sincerely offer um, ourselves and our and some of our stuff that we have to, to, to offer to them, and we should open up our our, our, our hearts to to receive them. Uh, uh, as much as we as we as we take care of our own children, it's that it's that radical. We we need to we need to we need to. Um, it's it's good to have organizations that give out blankets and they give out food and do all they all they can those those physical matters. But we need to invite them into our churches and receive them in our in our churches. Um, um, we need we we need to receive them in our churches and and not. And push through fear, push through apprehension, uh, push through, push into the danger zone of uh, I believe you are worthy of close intimacy with me. That's a high calling, and yet it's a critically important calling. You know, once again, whenever you do to the least of these, and that that Matthew, actually, both twenty chapter twenty four and twenty five are quite of value on this topic. But when you think of the cup of cold water given in Jesus' name, and when I was sick, you came and and, and brought me chicken soup. When I was in jail, you visited <laughs> me. When I was thirsty, you brought me to drink. Lord, when did we ever do these things for you? Whenever you did so for the least of these, you did so unto me. And you know, we kind of hear that verse and think it's nice and it's quaint, and then we gloss over it and we move right on uh, into the next chapter. And I think to pause and to ponder what that really means, and 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 to begin to capture a vision of what it looks like from the practical standpoint. Um, you know, as I mentioned, it used to be that you'd have to go to a, a big metropolitan area to find the homeless. And now most churches can simply open their front door 
and you'll find it. If not within the block, just up the street. And so that notion of, 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 of engaging in ministry, to be out into the highways and byways and compelling people to come in, uh, it becomes ever so important. Pastor, give us some perspective in terms of, uh, we mentioned at the onset, some of the things that um, the Homeless Church of San Francisco is doing. But in terms of how our listeners can get involved, maybe take a couple of minutes, talk to us about uh, public service times and, and ways in which you can benefit from more people coming in to uh, to pray, to support, to volunteer, to get engaged in really going out there and uh, where, where the nitty gritty is, so to speak, or the, what are the old saying, where the rubber meets the road to make a difference. To speak to the church, um, because we have, have a certain model here in Acts chapter 2, um, all they that believe were to, were to work together, staying together close, having everything in common. And this is this is this is this is, this is like step number two of the, of, in, in the process. That's a pretty pretty big step. But uh, uh, we we need to we need to 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 lay ourselves down for each other in the church. And um, um, the uh, the church is a family, uh, and we need to 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 be there, go there. I'm being a little bit radical here, but they had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods and gave, parted them to all men as everybody, as each one had need. Uh, we need to do that. There's, there's no reason There's no reason to come lower than the standard that God has set for us um, here in, in the book of Acts in the Bible. Um, uh, and they, they parted to all men as everybody had need and they continuing daily with one accord worshiping in the in, 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 in the church setting and eating uh, from house to house it's a very, very family related kind of thing from families getting together they ate them food with gladness and singleness of heart so I think we have to just go back to basics and stay there um, uh, Jesus um, 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 when you, uh, we need to join them where they are and, and 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 include them as best we can, to, to, as best we can in uh, in the benefits God has poured upon us. For folks listening in San Francisco or uh, parts near uh, the the uh, the city that um, really have a sense of excitement over what you've shared today, and, and they'd like to become a part. Talk to us a bit about the Homeless Church. I understand that you do have a regular Sunday service, uh, Sundays at ten a.m. But tell us a bit more. Well, it's good to go to where homeless people are being ministered to and and help to, to get in there and uh and and show up and and be part of the team that does bring food and that does and foods foods, foods uh, a, a viable a viable way to do it jesus fed people uh, <laughs> he, he never looked down upon that as, as unimportant and uh, that he said we should do that because they're 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 getting weak and they need to eat, and that's hap- that's happening on our streets every day. Uh, so we, we need to. Um, um, so so the homeless church is there. The Sunday morning service um, uh, is 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 useful. Uh, the but uh, one of the most meaningful things to do is to to get to visit them in their camps where they're living. 
and that's the, that's where I started this talking about going out out tonight Thursday night because we're in their bedrooms and uh, we we that's where we can learn to honor them properly and uh, uh, and encourage them right where they are and then have something to offer um, to make to make the next step next next connection could be. Um, Come to church, uh, come to this particular service in church where you may feel that they might be particularly com- comfortable. Uh, you've got to work on that church um, uh, uh, to get them ready for that. So, because I know, I, I am I, one of the most on-fire churches in the city of San Francisco, and I'm not going to name. Um, I would go with people. Uh, from uh, from our church and go visit them and they were very well received when I wasn't there they asked them to leave we have to really push the limits of of, of, of loving people uh, even in on our own personal location God wants us to uh, to step out of our comfort zone I know sometimes that that can be intimidating that can be uh, very disquieting but in fact it's very necessary and at the end of the day we need to realize uh, it's not our church we we might have donated we might have uh, contributed to the building fund maybe we come and uh, help set up the, uh, the the pews on Sunday morning and vacuum the sanctuary but it's not our church it is his church and I think the quicker that we get that through our mind and begin to act like it, the quicker we can begin to see a real impact in and around our communities and ultimately our nation. You'd like to get more information about the homeless church. Maybe you'd like to get engaged in, in volunteerism. You'd like to come and learn so that you can do a better job in outreach to the homeless in your neighborhood, in your own community, or perhaps like to just come and, and, and be of encouragement and support and help uh, pass out meals or uh, write a check. Let me encourage you to get more information about the homeless church. Um, online at simply homelesschurch.org. That's homelesschurch.org. That's probably the easiest URL you'll ever hear. Homelesschurch.org. Pastor Prosner, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a delight to hear your story. Uh, most importantly, your heartbeat and your passion. And uh, we will continue to pray for you and the ministry there and the need in San Francisco. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you, Craig. God bless you folks, all of you. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.